It's been a while since we started the podcast with a song. You know why? This is Allison Rosen, everybody. Hi. Hi. Tell, tell me why and tell them why. Well, because one, when I do, when I Facebook Live it, first of all, I'm not technologically advanced enough to figure out how to lay this song because I use my phone to Facebook Live it. And I'm not technologically advanced enough to figure out how to go back in and put this song in. You just need a second phone. I mean, not to put it in, but you could just play it while you're doing it on your phone. Just my tell me something good phone? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Your dedicated tell me something good phone. Just one thing on the phone, (laughs) nothing else, just this song. I need a, if I went into the store, I'm like, what are you using the phone for? One song. (laughs) What kind of storage you need? What's the one song storage? (laughs) I need one app. Yeah. And one, but would you have that one song in there like 300 times? Or just once on on infinite repeat. I think I would have the song once, and then I would have a Snapchat called "Tell Me Something Good," <laughs> and it, it, everything would be "Tell Me Something Good" based. I like that. It's just a fun. It's really good. It's groovy. It's groovy, right? Mm-hmm. I don't hear the word groovy enough. Well, I'm bringing it back. If you watch Scooby Doo, it's back. Have you seen? Not yet. You haven't. What? Um. Okay, Scooby Doo is like my son Jacob and I. It's one of our, and that was Tell Me Something Good, everybody. Um, hey, Fairly Normal. What's up? Uh, back with the music. Back here with a guest. We're here at my house. I'm used to a camera being here, but there's nothing. So I just waved at nobody. Which, now I'm waving and I'm playing to nobody. Yeah, I think we should. We should play, play <laughs> it up. I'm out to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but back, we're back. We're, I've been doing a lot more of them here at the Casa de Wolf. Yeah, now how come? Well... I like the All Things Comedy Studio, but the truth is we do it at a time where West Coast, it's hard for people to call because it's 4.30. Right. And East Coast is 7.30, so they're either in transit or just getting home. Right. So I wasn't having a lot of live interaction. And this is, for me anyways, just more comfortable. It's probably more convenient too. For me. Yes. Yes. My house <laughs> right. generally. Right, less convenient for the guests. Yeah, but. But, but you do it at your house too. I do. I do. I did not, at the beginning, I did not do it. Well, at the very beginning when I lived in Brooklyn and it was an interactive Ustream show, that was in my living room. Right. So that's where I started it. And then um, when I was on the Adam Carolla show, I did my podcast from those studios. Yep. And those are like, you've been there, right? Yep big fancy professional like radio style studio um and i got used to that but i always in in the back of my head knew that there's a ton of great sounding podcasts that are done in people's garages or in their homes and i kind of wondered if i were to do it at home would it have a different more intimate feel did it um yes although i don't it definitely doesn't have a worse feel i don't know that it's like i don't know that it's like so much more intimate. I like, you know what? I'm going to compliment myself. I feel like I'm good at, cre- at creating a comfortable vibe for the other person, no matter what, no you matter definitely where are. we are. You definitely are. We could be anywhere, <laughs> but <laughs> I do like doing it. It's, it's very easy and comfortable doing it in my house. I love it. Well, I think also, you know, and you do also, I've, I've done your podcast and it's very comfortable. And that was the first time we had really met. That's and right. It was still very easy, yes, which is was. a market that's good. Like it's a good mark for you that, Thank we you. hadn't really met, and no, I no, just on Twitter. Yes, but I will tell you, like, I feel like the more comfortable you are, the host, the more comfortable your guest is. Yes. So if you're more comfortable at 
your house, which you clearly are, mm -hmm. then I think it just adds to that very comfortable vibe. Do you wish I had put on pants? Uh, for this podcast or the <laughs> other one? Both. Uh, I just like to be comfortable. Yeah. I mean, listen, pants are overrated. Yeah. In general, when you live in the valley, although I have to tell you the truth, and we're going to be honest here. Please. I don't own a pair of shorts. Really? I, I don't I, think my husband does either, although there is... I'm getting like a flash of white legs That's and what I, I saw have. them on someone that, that, I have like, and I, I obviously if I go to the beach, I have shorts, mm -hmm. but like I always tell people like my legs are so white. They're like a light blue. We have the same skin tone. Yeah. Then. <laughs> it's you know? somewhat translucent. Yeah, it's translucent. Yeah, there's you, blood in there and mm -hmm. oh, it's that blood when it's blue. Yeah, it's like a Sigourney Weaver movie. You're like, <laughs> what is going? And you can see things moving through my legs. Yeah. It's like a science experiment. <laughs> it's like trees. Yeah. It's like a it's, branch capillary action i think that's a jewy thing per, the, the aversion to the sun or just the blue skin tone both because there's a guy so my podcast comes out twice a week monday one-on-one -on -one, that's what you were on yep. and on thursday there's a group of us and um my friend greg is on that show and he's jewish but he's like the more super athletic jew who surfs the he's, gary goleman jews yes and the, then like i was actually gonna say how tall is he He's, he might be like 5'5". Five five. Yeah, see, but he's still, when you say very <laughs> athletic Jews. but muscular. I want to tell you, as, and I'm telling, as from, the, from one Jew to another, we peak physically around 13. <laughs> Athletically, right. when you're like in Little League, you want the Jews on your team. And you're mm -hmm. like, those motherfuckers are great. But then we never grow past mm -hmm. that. So we hit our athletic peak. Little League, maybe a couple years after Little League, that's who you want on your team is the Jews. Right. And then after that, not so much. But you seem like to be a pretty strapping guy. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, I yeah, but I still think I peaked early. I think I did peak early. I, and I, I, I've said this before, but you know my theory on why most Jews are short. I don't know your theory. And I, I it started out as a joke, but the more times I say it, the more you're hit with the profundity of it. Yes, is that a word? Profundity. I want it to be. I don't know. Profundity. I mean. Profoundness sounds wrong. Profundity. I, I think it might be. Profundity sounds fun, though. It does. It, do you know what it's I mean? It's like, like your mom gets home. It's like, what's going on with all this profundity? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going to count to 10, and then the profundity is over. Or it sounds like a nickname that Sean Combs tried for a day. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Profundity. No, that one doesn't work. That one doesn't work. Uh-uh. Okay. <laughs> We're not doing that one. Um, what was I saying? Uh, your theory that you oh, started as a joke, but now Jews. you think it's true. Short here's, yes. my here's my theory. short Jews. My theory is that when we walked across the desert, that the short ones kind of stayed in the shadow of the big mm -hmm. ones, kept us out of the sun, kept us healthy, fresh, and the big ones generally died off, and it was just left with us little ones by the last couple miles. I like that idea. I don't think it's the worst thought. No, it's like natural selection, Jewish natural selection. Yeah, yeah, the desert really, right. because I think if you're 280 pounds, you die quicker in the mm -hmm. desert than those of us who just kind of like... Right, like squirrely little... Yeah, we don't need too much water. <laughs> so, you know, we, <laughs> we didn't need that. And that's, I, I, I don't, I know it sounds stupid, but I, now that I thought about it more, I mean, give me another reason why we're not tall. None of us. Is I can't think of a one. Right. Yeah. 
Well, there you go. There you I, go. I, but see, we we've tall, solved some. How tall are you? I feel like I'm on the taller side of a Jew. I'm like five eleven. That's tall-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not for the other people. Right. No, for Nordic people. No, that's a short. You're, that's you're, like an eight-year-old child. Yes. Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, do now we're, see if you can figure this one out though, and I don't know the answer. Okay. I think Jews also tend to be chunky. Though. This is Jew Hour with Josh and Allison. Yeah. Um, but why, why the chunkiness? Well, I, The short stoutness. I don't think there's any mystery that we have. We really like food. Okay, maybe it's just that. I mean, I don't know about you, but my family reunions, we, de- we eat. And while we're eating, we decide where we're going to eat. <laughs> right. Right? We're eating breakfast. You're like, what do you want to do for lunch? That's basically. Yeah. And you're just eating it's very all food day. Based. It's, yeah. And... And matzo ball soup isn't like the thing you want to eat when you're thinning out. Correct. So that's my. Okay. And I also go back to the athleticism. When you peak at 12 or 13, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? You're, you're just, not working it off. No, there's not a whole, you're not burning calories when crunching numbers at the accounting office. <laughs> right. That's. Unless you have one of those treadmill desks. Do you know anyone who has one of those? I do. Really? I do. Is it, it's not you though. It is not. I went into his office and I go, and I said to him, what? Okay. So I was looking for management. And this dude came highly recommended. And I go into his office and he had a treadmill desk. And as soon as I walked <laughs> in and saw it, I was like, no, I'm out. I'm out. I feel like nine out of 10 managers, when you walk into their office, there's something that makes you go, I'm out. Not Be the it guy like I have the now. guitars the guy, or the gold records oh, yeah. or whatever. There's always something. The treadmill desk was like, mm-mm. Because I don't want to... To me, that's so Hollywood. I had an agent once, and my thing with agents is, and this is a big problem in this town, my thing with agents and managers and kind of how I choose them are, hey, I'm not a child. (laughs) I don't need you to treat me like a child. As a matter of fact, honesty works the best for me, and if somebody doesn't like me, you can tell me, and then you can tell me why, and then I can get better. Right. But for me to leave every meeting with you saying, they love you, well, I'm still unemployed. So how much do they love me? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, so my thing is like, I there was a guy at an ag- at the agency I'm at now, and the first meeting I had with him, he said to me, uh, "Well, Josh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're with me, because right now, and I'm, I, I can say this because they, I'm at CAA, and he was like, here at CAA, we only hit home runs. You a home run hitter, Josh? Because <laughs> I don't oh, want boy. you standing out there at second base." And I told him, I won't say his name. I said, "Bye, bye." If you use another baseball analogy with me, <laughs> we're going to find another agent. Like, I don't need to hear home run and I don't need to hear, you know, any of that. Just work. Tell me what I need to do better. Tell me what. Yeah, that's it. Would it be so much better if you walked into an audition and the casting director looked you in the face? He was like, that's not you're not going to get yes, a call back. It would be so much better. It would be as I get older. I appreciate directness and honesty especially when it's things that I recognize are hard to tell people I'm not talking about being an asshole but but in things like that where you're like waiting to find out if you're in or not I just appreciate when someone can just be straight up with you so much more I think as a kid I because I was like I'm just sort of a sensitive person in general I think as a kid I valued niceness and people being nice so if someone ever said something that hurt my feelings I felt I didn't like that but as I get older I realize Oh, there's so much value in someone who has the balls to just be honest because otherwise they're wasting your time yeah. and they're, they, they're just, they're, they're trying to avoid their own discomfort and they're, 
misleading you because of that. Yeah. And you know what I would say? And I think this is actually something that my son's generation needs to work on. I would tell you when you're younger, when somebody is direct, that you that can be misinterpreted as mean. Right. Right. So you, like you said, somebody says something to hurt your feelings. You can also be direct and be nice about it. But you also there's a certain level of directness. You can put it down. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to I know, put so my cup <laughs> down so gingerly. <laughs> but um, there's a certain level of directness. It's like I always say the keeping it 100 bros. Mm. Those guys are assholes. Can I keep it 100? No, that's going to be bad. <laughs> Yes. I don't need I don't need a stranger. Like, I'm sorry, but yeah. whatever comes after that is going to be Don't need a stranger shitty. keeping it 100 all the time cuz <laughs> right. generally that means do you mind if I say something kind of douchey to you, right? But if you're in a working business, if you're in a business relationship with somebody or even a personal one, man, I, I need the truth. Because the only way for me to get better, if I'm walking out of a casting audition or whatever, the only way for me to get better is for you to say, hey, you're not going to get this. I want to tell you why. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had that happen at an audition? Only with casting directors who I'm friends with who know me mm-hmm. and know that for me, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I want to walk out of there going, okay, I didn't get that. This is why I didn't get it. Right. And let me work on that. And sometimes it's better to, ha- to hear that, I think, than to just walk around with this general sense of like, there's something that's not working, but I don't know what it is. So can I ask, yeah. when you have gotten that feedback, like what kind of thing has it been? I, I had a really good one recently where a friend of mine, she said, hey, you, we're not going to call you back for this. She said, because it was on tape, and she was like, I guess it's over. She said, but let me tell you what you're good at, and let me tell you what you're not as good at. And I've always felt that, what she's told me to be true. Mm -hmm. She said, you're not good at sitcom big for camera stuff. That kind of overreaction while staying honest is not your your wheelhouse. So like friends, you know, they they were masters at being big, but staying honest with their broadness. Right, right. That's the trick. But she said, you're good at being small and and being subtle, right? Jew, right? Yeah. But she, so when she said that, so that single camera stuff that is kind of hot now or like the vice principals on HBO and stuff like that, where it's a little heightened reality, but it's still real-ish. Mm. She said that is, and I was like, that's great. She said, so at this point in your life and career, you, your agents need to know that. And I was like, fucking. And she said, you know where I think you'd be great on? A dramedy. Something like, something that is like an hour that's drama, but ha- you would be the comedy part of the drama. And so she, that was a great note. Yeah, for me. that's really good feedback. Did you go to your agents then and tell them? Yes. And it didn't change anything. <laughs> but <laughs> it never, it doesn't change. It doesn't, right. they, don't, they don't like, does that, did what she say come with money? No, then I'm not. Uh, <laughs> right. Not um, I do have a question about your journey. Yes. So the, the Ustream that you started. Yes. Was your podcast in general? Yes. It was called Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Um, and it was three hours every Sunday. And I would have segments. And some of those segments I now do on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I don't do anymore. But So I would have segments. I would have, like, there was sort of a cast of regulars who would come over. And then I would usually have a celebrity guest. So it was, it had all the elements that I do on my podcast now, but just sort of all of them in one. Right. Um, yeah. And so I did that for a year or two years. 
Um, and then I moved out to California and then I started working on the Adam Carolla show. How did you get that? How did I get the Adam Carolla show? I heard on my Facebook page, actually, some of my fans were, were posting saying, Hey, Adam Carolla is looking for a news girl. Um, and I was in New York at the time, but I knew I was probably going to be moving. I'm from California originally. I'd been in New York for like eight or nine years at that point. Mm -hmm. I knew I was probably going to be moving back. So I tried a few different ways to like get in touch with them and send them my stuff. I think I had my agent contact them. Um, didn't hear anything. I, maybe I emailed them as well. Didn't hear anything. Um, and then I was like, okay, that's, I'm done then, (laughs) you know, um, it was just like, you know, one of a bunch of, of things that I had been working on. Um, and then uh, someone again posted on my Facebook page, like so-and-so is now is auditioning. You should really try to get in there. And it was someone that I knew. Mm -hmm. And I think it like, I got a little bit competitive. Um, and I thought I'll try one last time. So I emailed a friend of mine who lived in LA who I just thought might know someone over there. And I said, do you know anyone, you know, connected to this podcast? And it turned out that he did. And he's like, yeah, send me your stuff. I'll forward it. So it got forwarded. Uh, and then I didn't think anything more about it. And then I moved to California and a couple weeks later I got an email saying, Hey, do you want to come in and audition on this day? And I said, sure. And I came in and auditioned and then, um, they were gonna they did like this huge it was almost like a big casting call like they had yeah. a whole bunch do you remember were you aware of it at the time i was not aware okay of it. like a whole bunch of different people like a lot of people that you would know came in and and the auditions were like you would just do the news on one show um it, but it would be a show that aired so they were narrowing it down to four people and then i was the last one to go and then that was at the very end of december of 2010 and then I got, I forget when I got a call, but it was like pretty fast. And how long um, did you do it? Four years. And did that grow your podcast exponentially? Yes. Well, I had stopped doing, so my show wasn't a, it wasn't a podcast at that point. Right. It was, um, it was just an interactive Ustream show, but I was friends with Doug Benson and, you know, I would listen to Doug Loves Movies and I remember talking to him, like, have you considered video? What are your thoughts about this? And I just had this awareness that, and by the way, I think this is changing, but at the time I felt like the audience is not really there for interactive video, yeah. th- like appointment viewing in the same way they are for podcasts because there's just something about portable audio content. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like there's a much bigger uh, audience for that. So I had in the back of my head, by the way, I, was, I think there still is between yes. treadmills and the trains and right. all that stuff. I think the podcast I, is, yes. However, you look at someone like Joe Rogan or, but his numbers are still the download of the podcast is still quite a bit more than video, but, yeah. but still, I think that people who are super into your podcast, they do enjoy 100%. watching a video. Yep, 100%. Yeah. Well, how's like the ratio for you downloads versus well, who, well, you were saying you're at a bad time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like I taped one with my brother the other day here and I Facebook lived it. And so I like Facebook living it because I can look at the comments um, and kind of answer questions as we go. Right. I like that. I do like that. The problem with Facebook live is that it's only on your phone. And so you can't do it from the computer. I don't think so. OK, so. The, maybe you can, but I think we established that technologically, not my thing. Right. So when this is a- across the table, well, who can see? Yeah. So you, you got to be, you got to do some old man stuff and kind of lean a, into it and be like. You need a dedicated tell me something live phone and you need um, a comment reader. 
someone will sit by and just my son, <laughs> I had my son do it for a while. <laughs> Good. Um, so anyway, I had sort of in the back of my head, I was thinking maybe I want to bring it back as a podcast. So um, I think it, I don't know how long I had been doing Adam's show when I but his fans mine. are rabid. Yes, they are. They are. And so did they it, follow you to your podcast? Yes. I mean, a, a number of them. Yeah. Like I definitely, it was definitely a great way to grow my platform. Um, just my Twitter numbers. I mean, everything. It was it was wonderful exposure. Yeah, that's awesome. It was great. Uh, in your podcast, so when you left, he was like, "Go with God." Good stuff, right? He was happy for you. I would not describe it that way, <laughs> <laughs> but I did leave. <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I think I did that podcast once when you were still on the oh, show. Oh, did you? I think so, but he has not had me back on. Okay. Which I know he had the people he likes. He has back on, so I, I, I'm assuming that I did or said something. See, that was that's not. so. I would think he would like you. I, are you sure it was me? How long ago was it? Because the woman. My a, predecessor also looked a lot like me, so people, like to to, to many people, we're this we're like both Darrens on Bewitched. Yeah, <laughs> although those guys looked really, I think of them as one guy. Do you really? What about the 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 wives from Fresh Prince? I didn't watch Fresh Prince. What? It makes me sound so racist, doesn't it? You didn't watch Fresh Prince? I mean, I've seen it before, but not. What did you watch growing up? Facts of Life. Uh, I'm on board for Facts of Life. I just had Mindy Cohn. Natalie Green yeah. on my podcast and it was pretty amazing. Okay. What was you know, what was the woman's name who had cerebral palsy? Jerry Jewell. Okay. Blair's cousin Jerry. So Jerry Jewell. I was at Aroma Cafe and she's got a very distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I hear the voice. I'm not gonna do the impersonation of it because I think It's not okay to do that anymore. That's frowned upon. <laughs> But but like <laughs> ten years ago, I think it would have been okay. Ten years ago, yeah. it was it was it was basically a wheelhouse impersonation <laughs> for anybody right. to do. Isn't that weird? But you know what's funny? I found the one impersonation that people are still okay with you doing is any kind of Asian voice. Yes. Isn't that bizarre? So if I did a black voice, people would be like, "That's not okay." Mm-hmm. Gay voice? No, no, no. Jerry Jewell? No, no, no. Asian voice? Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> people, right? Although you may get letters. No, I never get letters. Really? Tweets? No. Maybe not. You know, listen, I I for years went to this masseuse, this Asian woman who I ended up calling. She was just older, large woman. And I called her Chunky Nana because she was like, come in in and let the Nana rub you. (laughs) And she used to rub me. And like 20 minutes in, she'd get tired and sit down. (laughs) Then what happened? She'd wait, rest for 10 minutes and then rub me for 10 more minutes and then rest for 10 minutes and Aww, we'd be done. Sweet she'd be like, banana. She'd sit down and be like, I'm so happy you came in today. <laughs> Nobody come in to see Nana. <laughs> I know. I love her. I, she was fantastic. And I don't know because I went back once and they were like, yeah, no, she's not here anymore. And I was like, what happened? And they wouldn't tell me. So I don't know what happened to Chunky Nana. Do you think something nefarious happened and or thinking lethal? about the same word nefarious <laughs> that I, means that, the, that that's what it was then if we both yeah but nefarious word. means though that there was some foul play yes and i don't see nana involved with foul play okay i see nana maybe just being like i can't get out of bed today I see Nana because she used to when she sometimes like she would sweat a little bit and it would drop on you. Ew. 
And maybe somebody complained like, hey, the masseuse is sweating on right. me. Right, because I feel like that's like a, a violation of a health code or something probably. It should be. Yeah. I, I, okay. Are you germaphobe? No. Either am I. But what would you say is your one thing, like the sweat? like the Phlegm. One, phlegm. When I see someone hawk a big loogie especially if it like hits a plant and then dangles i still remember there was this guy well, that's very that I, specific yeah because there was this guy that i had a crush on in high school um and we had art class together and he hawked a big loogie and it dangled off a plant and i was like this is challenging my crush quite a bit <laughs> <laughs> and it was just seared into my memory there was a girl when i was in high school who for sure maybe it was junior high i think it was high school who for sure I was interested in having sex with. And my friends and I were having this spitball thing in class, but we used to chew pieces of paper. And when the teacher turned, we didn't, we'd this is bringing back memories. Yeah. We throw them. And I had this huge wad. It was probably two whole pieces of paper. Oh. And my, and by the way, looking back and I probably ate some ink and, but it was worth it chewing it up. And I, my buddy, I could see him and I was like, Oh, but if I, he's never going to see this. And I whipped, I stood up <laughs> to throw it. And, as I stood up to throw it, this girl turned back and leaned to talk to her friend. Oh, no. And it hit her square. Like, it covered Allison, her whole cheek. <laughs> and it made a noise. Oh, no. Even the teacher turned and just saw this giant, smushed up saliva, just oh. like paper pancake on her face. <laughs> it was... Because later <laughs> at a party, I remember, because it was like maybe the same week where I was looking forward to this party because I was thinking I was going to try to have sex with this girl. She made it pretty clear that, hey, pre-saliva on my face, we might there might have been a chance. Oh, no. Right now, there's like zero chance. Wow. I had a lot of roadblocks having sex in high school. I was, it wasn't easy. Did you have a lot of it? I didn't have sex at all in high school. Oh, I had some, but not a lot. I, I think people who say they had a lot of sex in high school is a myth. Hmm. Like, what do you Perhaps. consider to be a lot of, like... I don't know. Um, is there a reason you didn't have... Was that, like, was it... Were you, like, I'm not having sex until... No, 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 no. Although I like that story. But I just had <laughs> extremely high standards. No, I was overweight um, as a kid... And I was just like, I was a good student and I was nerdy and I was not, I didn't fit in. Um, and I was awkward and insecure and I Where'd just like really up? didn't Orange County, California. Mm -hmm. I really didn't come into my own until, I don't know, year, a year ago. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, I just definitely, I think in college I, I felt more, much more comfortable. Um, but was, yeah, I was just, I was just a late bloomer. Was it, was high school tough for you? It wasn't that tough, but I didn't particularly enjoy it right like i remember call it was interesting i was listening you referred to college on the solo cast you did mm -hmm. um about your friend spencer you referred to college as like a little pocket in time mm -hmm. i think something like that and i was like oh that's so that's so true and that's so poetic it's such a it is a small little pocket in time when you're on the other side of it but at the time it feels like this is the be i felt like this is the beginning of the rest of my life like i'm gonna be close to these people forever and this is what it's gonna be like forever yeah. and it's only afterwards that i'm like no what's on the other side of college is like in terms of feel quite similar to what's before actually yes you know it's not for me college was this really great kind of magical four years 
Um, college. Yeah. Here's what I loved about college. Like in high school, if you're not popular, there's no escaping that. Mm-hmm. There's just no escaping it. In college, there's really no such thing as popular and not popular. Right. Because you can find your group. You can find your group. And you know what? Your group is just as hormone-filled, wants to go out and get fucked up. Now, you may not go and do it the same way that the other, what you consider the popular people to be, but you can still have a very fun, entertaining college experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But high school, that is not the case. No. I mean, I think that there probably are people in high school where that is the case for them. Like those people who are just, they're eccentric and they're different and they have their, their group of friends at my school. They were like, there was this one tree where all the druggies hung out Mm -hmm. and they were referred to as the tree monkeys. Did you see me there? (laughs) 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 No, but, um, like there were people who were on the fringes but had their group and they were just content to like not be part of the whole social scene. Yeah. Whereas as much as I pretended to be that, I think deep down I really wanted to fit in. I think that was like the whole thing for me in Orange County because I was so... How much time have you spent in Orange County? Um, enough. Like it's... Especially where I was. It's so athletic and tan and blonde. Yeah. And... White. Into real estate. Yeah. And... And conservative and all these things that I wasn't. So I think the whole time I always felt like I just, th- I don't really fit in here at yeah. all. Well, that, and it makes it harder too because in high school, there are so many new hormones being injected into your body that it makes it even more confusing and you feel more isolated. In college, you've kind of started to figure out how to get control of those yeah. hormones and try to use them for good. <laughs> and You know what I mean? And you're not... At home with your parents, so it's not as depressing. Mm -hmm. You're in your own, at the end of the day, you're in your own room away from home. I think just that alone, like, holy shit, I just bought something on my own. Yeah. Like, I just grocery shopped or whatever, you know, like, I bought a shirt and my mom's never even seen it. (laughs) I'm an adult. (laughs) Yay! My son, when he was away at LSU, he texted me. And he goes, guess what I just did? And I texted him back. What? He goes, just bought some cookies. <laughs> and it was like 1 a.m. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he was like, yep, they delivered them to me in my dorm room. I'm like, all right, good talk. And he was like, just thought, you know, that I did that. Just decided I'd order some cookies. I'm like, all right, well, yeah. I have cookies here at the house. So, right. yeah, it was Someone very- is out there making life his bitch right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that early independence was so exciting. Right? For me, what, it was. What was like... Because this is what I always tell people what I think that more so like my dad was like, you need to go to college because of the education of what you're going to learn. And I, I think that is true also, but I think he and I are talking about a different education. Yes. I think my, in my family, it was like at college, that's where you learn how to think, which I was always like, I don't quite know what that means, but I like it. I think it was the whole thing. I mean, I think it was, because I went to a small liberal arts college. Where'd you go to school? uh, Pomona College. Oh, I know where that is. You do? Okay. Yeah. Um, Which I had never heard of. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
And my mom recommended a couple times and I was like, there's no way I'm going to a school that's called Pomona that I've never, I didn't like the name, <laughs> that I've never heard of that's an hour away from home. Right. I'm going somewhere far away. And then I, I went and I looked at a few different colleges and I didn't really, nothing really clicked. And then kind of at my mom's insistence, um, I, we went and we visited Pomona and then I spent a weekend there and despite my, my intentions, I just fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. Like everyone there, they, they, it was a, it's a really good school and they were studying and they were smart and they were funny, but they also were having fun. Like they were having pillow fights in the hallways. And I just thought these people are happy. Wait, do people actually have pillow fights? They actually did. I know it sounds like a brochure, but yeah, I actually really, saw a pillow fight. It actually sounds like a 14 year old boy's dream. They were in the <laughs> hallway. They were having pillow fights. There were feathers all over the place. <laughs> they were rubbing lotion against <laughs> each other really hard. Um, no, it was just because I, I had also looked at Reed. Do you know Reed uh -huh. up in Portland? That's yep. where I thought I wanted to go. And the people that I met were so unhappy and they were all talking about where they were going to transfer. And then I remember I was in the um, bathroom and I saw there was some graffiti that said, I hate this place. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, but these people are of an age where they can choose where they want to be. Right. So then... The, the, after that experience, then to go to Pomona where everyone, well, most people, it seemed, were like very happy to be there. So I decided to go there. I, I went, you know, when I moved out of home and went to college, I knew I wanted to be not only far away from home, but I wanted to be somewhere where nobody in my family knew anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. So my mom was like, why not? She had threw some choices at me. But here, you know, your uncle or, you know, we know somebody. And I was like, I want to be without a net. Yeah. It was so important for me. And for me, I just needed that. So when I went to San Antonio, that was the hardest thing for my mom. The closest, you know, my grandparents in Florida were the closest people to hop on a plane. Remind hop on a me where you grew up? In Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Right? Wow, so, that's far. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, and I did the same thing when I started comedy. I drove from New York to Seattle so my mom was like why don't you start in New York or Los Angeles we knew people and I was like no I want to drive into a city and that's what I did I put my St. Bernard in the back of my car mm -hmm. and we drove from New York across to Seattle mm -hmm. and it was a great experience I would do you know what I like the most about it and I don't know that I'm gonna say this articulately articulately I'm waiting for the profundity I felt like anytime I moved to a place where nobody knew me, I could reinvent. There was nothing, there was no stigma hanging over. Oh, that's Josh Wolf. You know what he does or you know what he's like or you know mm. what? And I could, if I wanted to, I could hit a reset button and be like, okay. I didn't, I, I, there were times where I was like, I don't like this about me, but I'm never going to be able to run away from this. This is always going to be me. Hmm. What were, like, what's an example of something that you didn't like about you like say between high school and college what were you escaping then you know in college i had developed a reputation of basically sticking my dick anywhere <laughs> is that accurate yes and um towards the end of college i didn't like it but there was no getting around it and so whenever i felt like whenever i talked to a girl there was no way she wasn't thinking or you know because the look to have the nickname as a freshman trash dick <laughs> that's a tough one to shake for the right. next three years well, 
it's catchy and it says a lot. I tried to make t-shirts. It didn't. They didn't. Wow. As a freshman. Yeah. You got that fast. Yeah. How fast? Fast. So, yeah. So, I honestly, I was like, you know, that, and that's why, and look, I could have gone to New York and it would have been fine. But you don't think Trash Dick would have followed you to Tra- New York? I don't think. I think <laughs> Trash Dick would have stayed. But for me, it was just the, I, I, I could, somebody could rescue me in New York. Mm-hmm. When I drove to Seattle, it was like, my mom, not only, she was like, I don't know anybody. Nobody can come get you if something's wrong. And yeah. I said, fucking good. That, for me, is what I needed. And the, I have always told people, especially when they're young, go somewhere and hit the reset button and try something new. If there's something about yourself that you would like to go, man, that's fucking, I've, oh, I've just fallen into being this dude. Mm. You can go somewhere new because if you try to do it around people who've known you for 10 years, you're going to be no, like, what's can't. the fucking, yeah. what's with the ballet shoes, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you wearing those? They're comfortable. No, no. I like the idea that that's the thing you've got to go to yeah. a new city to try out. <laughs> like, I can't wear these ballet shoes in Cincinnati. But hitting the, bu- hitting the reset button was very powerful for me every time I did it. And it didn't change me entirely. Like I'm still who I always been, but it was just like the feeling that I could. I was, it was a clean slate no matter what city, and I was going to make my relationships off of a clean slate, mm. which, I, which not only was challenging, but I, for me, I liked it. Yeah. So you did that when you chose to go to San Antonio, yep. and then when you went to Seattle. Yeah. And then have you done it again? Well, no. You know, when I came down here, my brothers were here, and my cousins were here, and, and um, I feel like in a town like this, the support group is maybe more important than the clean side. Right, right. Do you know? Yeah. A town like this is is like, look, you know what? I'm so glad that they were here when I was raising my kids. Mm-hmm. Do you now? You are pregnant. I am pregnant. Yes. Uh, was your first child? My first, my first baby, and it's a boy. And I it's a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask you a question that I ask everybody who is a parent who's been on this podcast? Sure. Is there anything? Two things. Is there one thing? that you can think of that your parents did that you're like, I'm definitely gonna do that. And is there something that you can think of that your parents did that you're like, I'm definitely not doing that. Ooh, good questions. Because it fascinates me what, as you get older and as you've seen other people raise their kids, I'm sure there are things you're like, oh, I didn't get that when my parents did it, but now I fucking totally get yes, it. Yes, there's, I actually have a couple things for the first part of the question, but just something that I've been thinking about lately that, I appreciate now that I didn't really realize was like anything above and beyond Mm -hmm. was growing up. My parents took us to a lot of musicals and I remember my mom would like expose us to the soundtrack of the musical before going. So we'd be more familiar with the music and, um, things like that. Like I think trying to expose us to culture and Mm -hmm. to art and, you know, painting classes and just various classes and all sorts of things like that. I think I just, I didn't, I mean, I appreciated it in that it was fun, but I didn't realize that was a concerted effort my mom made to expose us to things. Yeah. So I like that. I definitely want to expose um, my kid to, you know, art and books and, and music and all that. So you want um, them to read? You want your kid to read? <laughs> I mean, if he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to force very, my literary worldview upon him. A very progressive of you. But, I don't want to make him read if he doesn't yeah. want to. He doesn't have to learn how to read. But I think my, the... The main thing that I would say for that is that my parents always made me feel loved. 
So that's one thing I would like to repeat. Um, in terms of what I don't want to do, my parents instilled a lot of fear in me because they're just anxious people. And I think their biggest, well, I think this is probably everyone, every parent's biggest fear, but their biggest fear is that anything would ever happen to my sister and me. And I have a couple older brothers, half uh, from my dad's first marriage as well. Like they're, so that's the, the biggest fear is that anything would ever happen. And I think that they're, I don't know that they would, would articulate this, but the way they parented was kind of like, look, if you have to miss out on a few experiences in order to stay safe, that's okay. If you well, like, like, give me an example of that. Um, are you talking about things like, all right, this is the, these are the examples of the far okay. edge of it. Are you talking about like, look, I don't want you to jump out of plane because I want you, or are you talking about, I don't want no. you to go on this trip? Yes. Like that I was, kind of stuff. I've never been to Mexico. Not like I feel like my life is, this is not an example of like, oh, my life is terrible because of this, right. but I was forbidden from ever going to Mexico on spring break. You can probably <laughs> still go now. Yeah. When it was Zika though, it's a bad idea now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just one example right. of something, but it's, or I remember freshman year of college, I wanted to go to a Grateful Dead concert and they were convinced that this was, was unsafe. And that I actually did. They didn't forbid me because once I was out of the house, it's like they couldn't forbid right. me, but they just really tried to talk me out of it. But I did go anyway. But in general, anytime I'm going to try something new, I think I have sort of extra anxiety about it. And I feel like, oh, what if I mess this up? Mm -hmm. And I think that's from, from them instilling in me this like, here's all the things you need to think about before you ever do anything. Make sure to re fully research everything. Like, you know, there's, there's things to be afraid of in this world versus this idea that like, try it. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I would rather my kid have that sort of, it's okay to make a mistake in this world. You know, what's interesting is that in what I've learned as I've gotten older and my kids have gotten older for every positive that you do as a parent, there is an exact opposite negative. Yes. So no matter what it is, no matter what you're instilling in your kid, there is also, even if it's a huge positive, right? There is also the exact negative that gets, so... I, right. Like, I love you so much. I don't want anything to happen to you. Great. But I've taken it so far that you're now afraid to do things that most kids are not afraid right. the of. The positive is I'm safe. Right. The negative is right. So then you could do the exact opposite, which is the positive is, you know, I've really experienced a lot of shit. The negative is I lost my legs. So <laughs> that wasn't great. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's so, why I think that people that parent in response to the way they were parented, like if you're like my parents were this way, I'm going to be the opposite. I feel like that's not going to turn out well for your kids. I feel like what turns, this is me who's never had a child who's telling people how to raise their kids. Um, <laughs> I feel like, like good parenting probably comes from like, I've, I have dealt with my shit. I have as good a relationship with my parents as is possible. And, you know, after having, I've gone to therapy or whatever, what have you, like I am a self-actualized, fairly centered person who's trying to be healthy and I'm going to raise a kid as opposed to like, I'm just going to do it differently than them. Yeah. I would also say the first thing you said is. Oh shit. Oh no. Far and away the most important. I can see the battery starting to. Oh, okay. Phew. I thought we had lost all of it. No. It's far and away the most important thing. When you say I want them to be feel loved. Okay. Because the feeling of being loved 
is what I've learned is truly what fills them with confidence. Mm -hmm. After that, it's like, you know, when you're at a buffet, you're like, well, I'll take that. Well, I guess I'll take a little of that. You can't check all the boxes. Right. So, Cottage cheese with a piece of canned peach? Yeah. Meh, maybe. Yeah, right? <laughs> so you can't check all the boxes. You can't instill everything. No matter how hard people try, no matter how much they overschedule their kids, no matter how much whatever they want, because the kid who's overscheduled is also the Under negative something. to that yeah. is like they're so rigid as a child. There's no wiggle room to be a kid, right? So the thing that I learned is – Love them. And then you have to choose what's important to you. Like right. when I see people, I'm not going to say who I was at somebody's house recently and there was seven childbirth, child rearing books. <laughs> and I was like, I was looking at it and she goes, did you read any of these? I go, no, because that's their opinion on how to raise a kid. Yeah. But you're going to get seven different opinions. The opinion that matters is you. Do you want your kid to do this and be like this? And up to you, right? The most important thing that is like, is that the, and I can tell you my house is that science experiment. Look, my two oldest kids, not biologically mine, right? They had a, they had a biological dad who'd left. They had a mom, biological mom who came in and out. My youngest son, excuse me, has had a very stable me. He has a different confidence level mm -hmm. just from knowing all the time that for his whole life, nobody left him. He's confident. He knows he's loved. My other kids know that I love them, but they've gone. They've had other traumatic experiences, right. which chipped away at that a little bit. And the, the difference in confidence is like this dude that had that consistent no matter what happens i love you and that never left and he has that feeling walking around the world it's it's a i i i think you know my theory on kids is that they're born 95 percent as good as that particular child can be mm. and our job is not to fuck them up that's what because i like i like looking at it that way it's less less uh, pressure you know to me and i told my brother this my favorite sound is to hear a three or four year old laugh <laughs> yeah it's unbridled joy it the world hasn't jaded them with right right a, a, a kid's laugh is like oh that's like pure sunshine right so that's why i say they're born they're born good most mm -hmm. kids some kids right. are assholes but they're <laughs> born good our job is not to fuck them up our right. job is not to expose them to shit that's gonna take that away now eventually life does mm -hmm. but um Though I think those books put also undue pressure on parents. Yeah. Because you're like, why isn't my kid talking yet? There was, when Jacob went to, he went to the Jew school, right? For, that's what <laughs> I call it. I'm sorry. Uh, Temple Israel for, for preschool. And there was a young boy about Jacob's age. And Jacob was late to talking. And so was this kid. And the parent was like, fucking, what's going to happen? I need to get him in class. I go, hey, he's going to speak the English. You speak the English, <laughs> right? And she was like, yeah. I'm like. Yeah, he'll, it'll come if he's 10 and he's having... Right, then worry. But, you know, they develop a different... But you're putting your shit on him. And he would start to cry in class because he wasn't talking. And he, you could tell, like, the mother was embarrassed. So she would say in class, it's the doctor says it's fine. In fr like, 
I know he's three. But he can still soak up yeah. that, that vibe, that energy, I think. Yeah. Oh, they're sponges. Yeah. So that all that stuff, like, I know this sounds earthy and whatever, but, like, love is the top, and that is what instills confidence in them to know that even if they fall down, you know, you're going to let them fall and stumble, but I fucking, no matter what you do, I love the shit out of you, hmm. you know? Is there, because you were, you were so young when you were raising them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you wish you had done differently? Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, that's an interesting question. You know, I was young and I'm not sure I quite understood the effects that the biological mom and dad were going to have on my daughter, my oldest two kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wish I had gotten ahead of that a little bit. Um, I wish I'd gotten ahead of that a little bit, but I didn't quite in all of the madness and just trying to figure out how we're going to eat and shit. Right. There were some things that I did let fall through the cracks. My oldest son, I had, I remember having him in therapy when he was like eight. He was an angry fucking kid, man. Hmm. I bet. Yeah. There was, one time I got called into school and um, I'm si- I sit in the principal's office, which I knew very well. And there was a mother standing behind me. And I was like, and the principal goes, we need to talk about um, Trevor. And I go, okay, what's up? And, sh- and the mother was like, um, he was kissing my daughter behind the dumpster. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. And so the principal goes, well, and I forget what her name was. Let's call her Brenda. Cause that seems like a Brenda. <laughs> Uh, Brenda says that he was a little aggressive and I go, Oh, like how? And he, the principal said, he told the girl, Hey, go get behind the dumpster. And I go, okay. And then they went back. He didn't drag her. And she was like, no, he, she met her back there. I go, Oh, what's the problem? And, and the woman was like, well, you're, you're perverted son. I'm like, how, how old was he? Nine. I'm like, who's the slut who walked behind the dumpster? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I didn't see him lasso her, right? right. He, he, <laughs> he suggested she went back there. But yeah, I wish I had gotten out in front of it a little. I get... But were you... I'm not prying. Were you I, also trying to be sort of... I'm trying to find the word. I blame this, not being able to think of the word on um, pregnancy, by the way. Okay. Um, trying to be respectful of their relationship of like the biological parents being the biological parents. No. Okay. You know, the biological dad was never really in the picture and the mom was a little bit more when they were younger and she's doing way better now. And by the way, anybody who listens to this knows that I have nothing but at this point, nice things to say about her. She's, I really like the end of the day, she's super funny. She's had her own demons, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, no, that wasn't it. And, and, you know, I, I, I know this sounds bizarre, but there were some things that I, I forgave myself for that I struggled with for a long time. And part of it was like, I couldn't, I, I chose for us to be dirt fucking poor for me to pursue my dream for a long time. And they were without, and that, 
that was looking back like it's hard for me to know that I that was because of me I could have gone out and gotten a job right um and um I uh, although not my fault like some of their issues that they have now are heartbreaking for me and I wish I had gotten out in front of that mm. a little bit but I don't think I you know as you get older you get a little more you settle into who you are and you're like right. oh fuck I wish I had done that or I wish I knew that do you know what I mean if sometimes it's like insane to me to think my generation and everyone older our parent so many of our parents were in their very early 20s when they had us yes. who's ready to have a kid at that age they all did yeah like they, that seems so young to me uh, well, how old were your parents when they had how my old your dad when he had your older siblings he was 27 when he had um i have twin older brothers he was 27 when he had them by the way 27 is probably a little older yeah right and then um my mom was 24 when she had me you know what's interesting I, and i will tell you this one of the things I did like about being young and looking back on it, there are things that we did together that were a shit ton of fun that I wouldn't do now. Mm-hmm. Like what? Well, one of because we didn't have any money. They liked to get in the trunk of the car and I would go to an empty <laughs> parking lot and we'd drive around. They would be in the trunk? Yeah, just rolling around. <laughs> we'd be in an empty truck parking lot and I'd do like 10 miles an hour and we'd do lefts and rights and run over bumps and they had a fucking great time. Yeah. You know, and... I could get up at six in the morning and go to sleep at two in the morning and be ready to go. You know, all that stuff, all the energy and the, the playfulness Mm. was really amazing. Um, now I wasn't the most, you know, we stole shit to eat and stuff. I probably wouldn't do that now. Did they steal? Uh, Define, (laughs) define steal. Like, hey, put this in your whatever and walk out of the store. No, but it would be like, hey, eat that before we leave. Oh. (laughs) That's real. That's like stealing in quotes. Yeah, that's like... (laughs) That's just sampling. Yeah. I I don't know about that. I don't know if I call that stealing. Um, It's hard to really... (laughs) My son asked me that once. He goes, am I stealing? I go, do you have anything in your pockets? And he goes, no. I go, where is everything? He goes, in my stomach. (laughs) That's not stealing. Yeah. That's not stealing. Do you... Are you going to have one? Um, I would like to have more than one, um, if possible. So I've been very open about the fact that it, it, I struggled to get pregnant and we did IVF. Um, and I'm now did, pregnant through from IVF, yes. Can I ask you? Yes. And we talked a little bit about it. I don't know if you want to. Did that affect you? Yes. Um, although I sort of feel like it's going to be hard to really know the way it affected me until I feel like years after I'll look back and I'll be like, Oh, for those, there was like a cloud over those two years. I suspect. Um, because it wasn't, I mean, they say it affects your, your, your emotions, but it wasn't like I was crying all the time and yelling or I wasn't, I wasn't crazy or it wasn't any of the things that you hear, but I'm sure in some way, it was just this thing that was sitting on me to have been doing IVF and to be injecting hormones in my body for as long as I was doing it. Um, Did you ever? Yeah. Um, because I know that I've, I've heard that some women almost end up blaming themselves. Like, this is my fault. I, did that ever? Or were you cognizant enough to know, like, this? I'm doing what I need to do, and at the end of the day, it's really out of my control? Um, the parts that I beat myself up about 
were that I never considered freezing my eggs mm-hmm. um, when I was younger. And but who thinks of that when they're fucking 28? I know. I mean, I think that I knew, but I knew that it existed. And mm-hmm. I had read articles from, by, uh, I had read articles by women who had done it and I knew it was an option. Um, but the, the reasons I didn't do it were one, once I found out that it involves like needles on a surgical procedure, I'm like, Oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Two, it's like, really expensive. Yes. And also I was just like, I'm not going to have trouble getting pregnant. I think that's the part that's so weird to me is that where did I get this sense that Oh, I'm yeah. a fertile motherfucker. I don't know why, why I thought that. And also, you know, I would hear, like, I remember hearing Dr. Drew specifically saying something about like, you know, after, I think he said after 35, fertility just goes down a cliff or I forget how he put it. But like, I, I sort of knew, you know, by, by this age, you're not as fertile, but I just figured there's so many women who get pregnant later in life. So it's really not going to be a problem. What I don't think I realized was there's so many women who get pregnant later in life and it is mostly because of IVF or some sort of, you know, intervention. I just didn't realize at all how common it was. I was not aware of that. Um, And yet, you know, I spent so much time with the fertility clinic and you see women of all ages there. Yeah. And a lot of celebrities too. The The stories I could tell. (laughs) (laughs) So many, so many famous faces there. Yeah. Well, because a lot of people out here wait Right. To get yes. pregnant. So that's the one thing I think. So in terms of like, oh, I wish I had done that differently. I wish I had frozen my eggs younger. Although the fact that I'm pregnant now um, makes me go, oh, well, it, you know. It worked at this out. Point, it worked out. Yeah. If I hadn't been able to get pregnant now, I would have wished I froze my eggs because we had a lot of trouble getting a lot of eggs. That's why I did. I did eight retrievals because I could make like one or two eggs at a time. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of women are like 18 eggs in one cycle. Um, so 18 eggs. People like can do 18 eggs. Chicken. Yeah. Or 12 or I mean, just a lot. Like a cool dozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a baker's dozen sometimes There's a lot. So I thought, God damn, like, why didn't I just do this when I was younger? Because then we could have all, the, we'd, be, we'd be done and ready to just move on to the next phase. Right. Um, but you don't think about that. When you're younger, you think, I'll just have my brothers. He can't stop texting me about the Red Sox. <laughs> when I was young, I was like, I'm just, you know, honestly, and I, this sounds like a judgmental thing to say. I'm going to say it anyway, though, because this was how it struck me as a young, not aware person. Oh, that's for desperate women. Yeah. That's for women who don't have faith in the yeah. universe. And I was all about... But that goes back to your, like, inside of you knowing this is this is like my special power. And of course I have this special right. power. Right. Of course it's going to work out for me. I have this special power. Yeah. Why wouldn't I have this special power? Right. Right. And I know, by the way, I would assume that most women who want to have babies assume I... That'll be somebody else's problem. Mm-hmm. That's not my problem. And I also thought if I thought freezing eggs is for what you do if you're like, I'm going to have a kid regardless of whether I have a partner. Yeah. And I felt like if I do it, it's going to add this weird intensity about having a baby to my life that's going to like mess up my relationships and all these things that I, I don't think really is the case because I it sounds like women who freeze their eggs, they're like, oh good, I've gotten that out of the way and now yeah. I can just relax. But I thought it was going to make me more anxious and make it so that, I don't know, it's like I just, as much as I'm someone who frets about being a late bloomer and like has anxiety about when are things going to happen, 
I just kind of always knew like one day I'm going to meet the right guy for me. And By I the just way, wanted to let it all play out naturally. I think that I met my wife, Beth, right? At a point in time in my life where I was raising the three kids and I had decided I'm never and by the way, happily, mm-hmm. if you if happy was on a scale of one to ten, I was living at a very comfortable seven. Now, I knew that I would never get to a ten because I, you know, for me, ten means sharing my life with somebody, you know, that whole thing. Right. But I had tried that and I had sunk down to a one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, the 10, the chance of the 10 is not worth the risk of the one. I'm going to stay at the seven. Yeah. Which, which seven's pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. And I, I mean, it wasn't going back to trash dick, but I was like, I'm, I'm <laughs> dating. Right. Things are, I'm having fun. When I finally decided that, so I had taken all of that bad muju and mojo off of me about what I was looking for it got ushered into my life. Mm-hmm. As soon as I stopped yeah, worrying that's how it about was for it me. all the time, it just happened. And so literally a week after I was like, I'm, I'm done, I'm done. My manager at the time called and said, hey, I want to set you up on a date with somebody. And that was Beth. And, and I, a week after I met her, I called my parents. I was like, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> wow. But I will tell you something. Going back to... The pregnancy stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm so glad they didn't teach us in college. What? It's not that easy to get pregnant. I know. Well, that's another thing. Is like I feel like. Do you know most boys gr- think that what? at any day of the month? Most most girls think that you that's can get what pregnant. Yes. Yeah. And also the idea that you can get pregnant from pre ejaculate. Yes. I, I, I took the morning after pill when I had like, I never ever let. A guy come inside me. Yeah. However, I have taken the morning after pill based on like I think a tiny bit of pre cum might have jumped into my vagina. Like it's in- and and I'm sure I probably couldn't have gotten pregnant then either. It's it- insane. I was so convinced <laughs> that like that pregnancy is going to happen me to too. me just being near a penis. Like I was like with well, list and I never because yeah. safe college, sex was, training was so intense. They they because I think they know if they tell you you know there's only like two or three days right. a month. So don't worry. People about are it. gonna be fucking yeah. all of the time right. without rubber so they make you think don't get pregnant don't get pregnant i literally i remember being in college and this girl was like well just let's just put it in one time and i'm like can't do that gotta get you pregnant and she was like i don't think so i'm like pretty sure that's how it works pretty that's sure what i thought too yeah. i had no idea how tiny the window is and i don't even know how? I'm still not totally sure. I just want you to know. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretending like I am. Yeah. I'm still not a hundred. I think it's like two or three days a month, right? Yeah. I think I think they say it's about five days, but it's really only like two or three. I mean, and it's also kind of different for everyone. And I didn't exactly even know when I was ovulating. But then like once I found out, it still didn't help matters. Yeah. So. I know. <laughs> it, but that is to me the one thing that like th- that was the boogeyman that they scared you yes. with. And they held it over your... I think that's even more reason it like it never occurred to me that I couldn't get pregnant. It's because, no, I spend all my life trying not, <laughs> not to get, to get pregnant. pregnant. So I'm sure it's really easy. Yeah. That is basically what it is. You think it's going to be easy. Because, because you, you try so hard not to not and you're to so it. worried about it. Yeah. Isn't that weird? The shift. Yes. You spend so many years running away from it. Right. And it's like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> my friend Sarah Col- Colonna... Um, one of my favorite jokes of hers is 
I've finally hit that age when my friends get pregnant that I've stopped saying, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's true. Like you hit that age. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's cool. But right. it happens differently out here. Like How you're so? well in California, people wait until. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yes. I, I, that comes up on my podcast a lot. People say that if they had stayed in their hometown by now, they would have three kids and Without it's a totally different life. When I was again at the Jew school and at my kids pre uh, uh, elementary school, I was far and away the youngest person showing up with kids. And it was, uh, I mean, it was really interesting. It was an interesting time because I, as a single dad who was at least responsible, I wasn't wealthy, but (laughs) I was at least responsible. That was like a beacon I had never met more horny women than single moms. Right. Well, there's something about seeing a guy taking care of his kids. It's like. But it's a double standard. You know, Ali Wong talks about that in her stand up now. But it's a complete double standard. Yes. When I used to go to the park, I would get treated like I was like a full on retarded. Like people would be like, I had a woman come up to me once ago. You know, the kids need water, right? I'm like. (laughs) So wait a second. Let me like see. Like you just bought them. So <laughs> the kids need water like all the time or just today because I've been doing it like every third day. Are you <laughs> saying I need more than that? But it was interesting. And when I would go to the grocery store, anywhere I went, somebody was there to help me. Right. Not the case when I saw the single moms. Yeah. There was we'll no assume b- they have it, have it uh, figured out. And there was almost... And I hate to like bang this drum, but there was almost a negative connotation attached to them and a positive one attached to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was doing something extraordinary. Above and beyond, right. And they, whereas they, they fucked up and they lost their... Man. Yes. That's, that, that's upsetting. Yeah, because... But I feel like that's true. Oh, it's 100% true. Women you know, do get blamed for what should be shared blame. If there's even blame. If there's blame. It's sometimes yeah. it's life. You know, when I talk about it on stage and I would talk about, you know, I was a single dad for a long time, people clap. I go, please don't clap <laughs> for me taking care of my own kids. Yeah. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. I'm supposed to take... Those are my kids. Why are you clapping for that? Because if there was a mom on stage and being like, I'm a single mom, there she wouldn't get a fucking clap. Mm-mm. And it's an interesting, interesting thing. Really interesting. I, I wonder, like, but at the same time, I also, on the other spec- end of the spectrum, being treated like I was stupid all the time was really a tough one for me. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you handle it? I th- with sarcasm. I mean, that was the only way to really... Right. To really do it. But it's, 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 um, I had a, 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 there's a woman who opened up for me, Emily, I forget her last, but she opened my eyes to some stuff. She was like, listen, you're a white dude. And I go, yeah. She goes, you know what you're missing? And I said, what? She goes, you're missing all of the subtle sexism that we deal with every day. And she goes, you know what else you miss? Is you miss, you miss, ask a black guy, you miss subtle racism. Mm. And I was like, I don't under, I don't get it. <laughs> and she was like, well, let's walk around the mall. And it was just like every day walking around the mall stuff. She was like, look at that. What is that? Are you cool with your daughter seeing that? And I was like, mm, probably not. And she was like, well, I'm going to go into a store and you go into a store. And you tell me how he talks to you and I'll tell you how he talks to me. And I was like, oh, this is like day to day. But it's almost like 
do you know what I mean by subtle mm-hmm. sexism? Yes, I do. In fact, it's so much so that sometimes I think. Do you miss it because you see it so much? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like, it's, that's just my experience of walking around the world. So if it's like, if someone, there have been in general, and maybe it's because I have black hair. I, I feel like if I were blonde, it would be like, there's a totally different way people treat me. Yeah. But in general, people don't treat me like I'm stupid. I think I just, um, people don't assume I'm stupid, but there have been a handful of times where I had, someone has talked down to me and treated me like I'm stupid. And they're trying to be helpful, yeah. sort of like your experience. And that is always very jarring and very uncomfortable for me. Um, but just in terms of subtle sexism, I think I probably don't even notice it that much because it's just that's the my experience walking through the world. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. It's it's like what you know a, a friend of mine, you know, because I, I I am I have a lot of friends in the police force, but I also am I support the police force, but I also support the Black Lives Matter people. Like I don't think it's mutually exclusive, right? Right. I don't either. Um, but I had a black friend of mine say. Um, you know, you just don't know. I know you're on board, but you just don't know what it's like. And I go, explain. He goes, how many times during a day do you walk into a room where you're the only one of you? And I was like, never. And he was like, yeah, just right. try that. Try and, I, and there have been rooms where I've walked in. I'm like, no, I'm the only white guy. And it does change my, mm-hmm. it changes my whole who am I? Do you know what I mean? It, yes. not a, it's not like I think oh, I'm in danger. I'm in danger. But when you're the only one of you, mm-hmm. every you day, yeah. you notice it. Wait, have I just realized, when you said to me, do you miss it a lot, do you mean as a white woman, do I miss a lot of the subtle racism? Or do you mean as a woman, do I miss the subtle sexism? Because I'm used miss to it. Miss the subtle sexism. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the subtle racism, I honestly, I don't think I pick up on. And I don't know that I, don't know that I ever will. I It just... I don't mean this in a terrible way, but it, it's not on my radar. It, right. It should be on my radar. Yeah. But it's not my my world that I walk around in, you know? It's a fucking, like, this whole horrible election process. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Has has it opened your eyes to, di- to different things that you, this... I was aware of all of the stuff that you're talking about. Um, it, well, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. The just extreme racism and anti-Semitism yes. online. I was aware of it. Um, and I don't know if it's because I worked for someone whose audience veers right wing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is, but like I was aware that all that stuff is online. I think with this political cycle that it's a lot, it's being pushed to the mainstream more and it seems like there's so much more of it. And I think, you know, the fear of course is that like now these, um, super racist groups feel like they have license to just be loud and proud, which is scary. I don't know. I'm not that scared, but I know that my husband is like, what the hell is happening right now? And he's worried about where it's headed. I am. Okay. I've never seen more anti-Semitism online. Maybe it's been there, but I've never seen it in the forefront as much. It's jarring. It's jarring. And I've never seen more Hitler references. By the way, (laughs) pro-Hitler. Right. (laughs) Right. One's celebrating him. Yeah, I'm aware of Hitler references, but I've never seen more positive, glowing reviews of Hitler. (laughs) Um, Shame he's not alive to appreciate it. You know, it would be nice to hear from him right now. (laughs) Just to see what, to hear him chime in. Right. But, and I've, Never seen. Here's what alarms me the most. 
I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't think Donald Trump is a racist. I wonder about that. I, I, I think, my gut says he isn't either. No, I think he's an egomaniac. And I think he's a, com- a complete narcissist. Mm-hmm. And I think he does whatever is best for Donald Trump. Right. So I don't think racism has a place in that. How, I think he's worse than a racist. Because he plays to them. And mm-hmm. he, f- he fans the flames. For his own good. Right. Right. What bothers me most is that he knows all these dudes and his daughter is Jewish. Mm -hmm. His fucking grandkids are Jewish. Yeah. And he knows all these anti-Semites and pro-Hitler guys are following him. And he's never once said, hey, denounce them. I know not. I denounce them. Hey, that's just in particular. I do not want your vote if that's who's voting for me, because when he doesn't say it, he's complicit in that shit. Right. And that's and that's why I and I know people I've said this to friends of mine who are voting for Trump. I've been like, listen, here's my only problem. You may not think you're racist. However, by supporting this dude, you are complicit in what the message. When you say, well, I don't think he's he's spouting that message. Well, then why are all these people following him? Why are these? He's dog whistling that message. Yes. And here's the thing. Why are these groups who have never voted for any major party? Why are they now voting for him? Mm -hmm. It's not a coincidence. So I'm not saying that you are racist. But what I'm saying is. You're enabling it. If you were in Germany, you'd be waving to me on a train. (laughs) Because you never said something. Yeah. Yeah. This is really that moment where it's like time to speak up. Yes. And. And I know what a lot of guys and my friends are like, yeah, but that's not the most important issue to me. What? Okay. That's the thing is they're putting that second or third or fourth. Right. There was an an article I read that's like, maybe that's not number one for you, but do you have any friends who are Muslim? Do you have any, you know, think of, there's probably someone in your life that you care about where that would affect them right away. When you look at the demographics, if you look at 91% of, of black folks, I think it's something like 70% of Hispanics. I'm going to assume all Muslims. And I think it's somewhere up around 68% of women are not voting for him. Mm-hmm. That's not a coincidence. That's because of the message he's putting out. So when I hear my friends who are pro-Trump say, no, I don't think so, it, it, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. If it wasn't that, and, the, and those four groups weren't scared of your the person that's being elected and don't point to the one black guy at the Trump rally. That's always funny <laughs> to me. They're like, look at Jim over there. I'm yeah. like, yeah, the fucking one black guy that right. doesn't count. So that's the thing. Like it's just, and I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a liberal. I would consider myself pretty strongly independent. Mm-hmm. I would consider myself to be fiscally pretty conservative and socially as liberal as you can get. But so I'm not like, I'm not a HRC or die person. But if these are the two choices, yeah. If the this is it, I'll take the pantsuit. Um, your friends who are this is interesting. I don't, I don't, I, I, my one of my friends' husbands is pro-Trump. But other than that, I don't actually. And has he said why? Um, she told me that that he says quote unquote because he's a businessman. It's the it's the economic thing. I don't, like I didn't really push it because inside right. I was like, what? <laughs> but you know the truth is, if you just like look at pure business, he's a terrible businessman. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Hillary and Bill, after they left office, have made a gazillion dollars. Right, like so they're pretty good business. Your people. friends that are voting for Trump, what do they say is the reason? And the, do you have it, a lot of friends who are voting for Trump? I I went to college in Texas. I would say most of the guys that were at this funeral 
were yeah it's <coughs> it's more anti-hillary than it is pro-trump um but also you know it's that jim jeffries joke you heard him talk about trump where he's mm, like make america great again there are just people at the house going i understand all those words <laughs> Make America great again. I get that. I understand all those words. I'm voting for him. <laughs> and the truth is, you know why people get attached to social issues as opposed yeah. to the economy? And because when the candidates talk about the economy, 5% of the population know what the fuck they're talking right. about. When they, when they talk about jobs, 5% of the, but when you say social issues, well, I don't need to have a degree to no, understand social emotional. issues. So that's why social issues, second amendment, all that stuff, people understand them. And that's why they, latch on to them mm. that other stuff i think is so f- like if you were like if you and i sat and we were like let's discuss the two parties political let's talk talk about their economic plans you and i would stare at each other for a long <laughs> fucking know. time right i'd be like oh, i gotta go right <laughs> but if i said to you let's talk about abortion they- or something yeah. or gun rights yeah and it has a visceral yes. response yeah and that's why i think and that's a and that's the whole thing. Like also right. Trump is just about the visceral response. I think a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I mean, he's also just a buffoon. <laughs> I agree with you wholeheartedly. And he's orange. Yes. Do you he's think ridiculous. if, if eight years from now somebody ran and instead of an orange spray tan, they were like, I'm going to be green. <laughs> oh, <that'd> be so <laughs> cool. That would be cool. You know, I'm a, you know what I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to go for that last dude looked like a creamsicle. I'm going to go green. Like maybe I Jill love Stein that. should go green. Yes. She should. She's Is she Green Party? Green Party. That makes sense then. Go green. She should be green. I yeah. think so. It's perfect branding. Maybe that's what we should do from now on. We should actually color them. Yes. Because the the color of his the hue of his skin is not natural. No, it's unnatural and then it like gets pale around his eyes. <laughs> as if he was in a tanning bed or something, which but, I don't think he was. By the way, if you're a billionaire you got to figure out the spray. Of, well, yes, and the hair. But I heard years ago when he was just an entertainer and not a, um, That's a presidential nominee that he, like his hair is his trademark. So, of course, he could have better, different hair, but yeah. he likes it looking ridiculous. I, I honestly don't like the hair makes me giggle. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, and I loved watching him on The Apprentice because He's an entertainer and he's right. a buffoon and he would say weird shit. I love that. Get him back on. I like his speeches. I tune in because I'm like, he's going to say something super dumb today. Mm. Right. He doesn't disappoint in that regard. No. <laughs> he's really good at that. Yes. I think he can't help. I actually don't know. I can't. I was going to say, I think he can't help himself, but I don't know. Do you. Could you marry somebody who had complete opposite political views of you? Look who it is. Hi. Mm. Hi. Come on over. Hi. That's Taylor. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you. And that's Jacob. Hi. Nice to meet you. He's. Oh, hi. hi. Nice to meet hi. you. What's up? You good? Yeah. Was it warm out there today? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. This is your. You guys have your rock and roll shirts on? Yeah. All right. The Stooges? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, if everybody listening, Jacob and Taylor worked at a day camp today. Oh, nice. Yeah. What was your, did you have summer jobs? Um, yes, I worked at Sam Goody. You did? I did. Goody got it? Goody got it. I worked at a coffee cart. Very 
On the street um, in North no, County? It, no, it was in a, um, nice to meet you, in a food court. Uh, so I guess it was not a coffee cart. It was like a coffee station. Were you a barista? I was a barista, but it was short-lived because then I got hired by Sam Goody, so I switched Sam Goody. Um, I also was a volunteer at, um, this is weird, but at uh, what was called Vacation Bible School. So it was... Uh, <laughs> it was like Bible school during vacation, um, and it was at this church that was near where we lived. Did they know you were Jewish? They had to have, because I had this face, and my last name is Rosen. <laughs> so, and my sister did it, too. We were both volunteer, That's like, weird. teachers teachers' aides. Yeah. It was fun, though. Was, I mean... I, and I also babysat and stuff like that. Did you so ever, did you ever read something and be like, no, I don't really believe that. Uh, no, <laughs> I that's not really. Yeah, all of it. All of it. Yeah. I was like, this, all of it, I don't believe. Rocky, stop. Um, Come here, buddy. What was, and you but I liked working with the kids. Did that during high school? That, was that before high school? What's your first job? My first, are we, we're not counting babysitting and stuff like that then, no, are we? No, first job. My first job was the, was the coffee, the barista work. How old were you? <laughs> I was 16, probably. Are you going to think you're going to make your kid get a job? I wanted a job really bad. Um, it wasn't my parents making me. And I don't know. Probably. I think it's good. I think it's good to start I that young. So. Yeah. It, it, you also appreciate the money. Right. You know, when your parents give you 20 bucks, you're like, I'm just going to go fucking get some. Yeah. But if you're like, this is the only 20 bucks I have. Right. I'm going to let him in here. Rock, okay. you want to get in, buddy? I know you do. I was sleeping once. Nobody else in the house. And that noise went off, which means that door opened. That's scary. So I'm in my room and I'm like, okay, do I go out there? Right? Do right. I go out there? And endanger yourself. Or do I... Hop on the phone and call nine one one. But if there's nobody here, right? If the wind like blew such it a open. pussy, like that's tw there's been twice in my life where I've opted for maybe dying instead of looking like a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so you went out there. What was it? So I went, the wind. Oh, okay. The wind. What was the other time? Ah, uh, okay. So the actual alarm went off. Beep 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 beep. beep right. And it, I, I, it wasn't just me falling asleep. It was, I had set the alarm and the alarm goes off and I'm by myself. And I'm like, okay. Now, there's two options. Ride it out. Probably till sun comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the door shut and just see what happens. Call the cops, which seems like the smart thing to do. Right. Or go out there. And I was like, well, if I call the cops and they come over... I don't want to look like a pussy, like if it's the wind again, right? So I came out in my, I don't know why my fighting clothes was my underwear and a bat. <laughs> that's, that's a solid go-to, I think. <laughs> Walked around that corner, underwear, bat. Um, this guy here had gotten locked in the office, my dog. Oh, no. So he had opened the door. Oh, the, the alarm was fucking freaking him out. He was running around the fuck, the living yeah. room Aww. in circles. And I turned off the alarm. But I, I was like, I think I would choose. Oh, there's been one other time when I was super high and I thought I was dying. What happened? Well, I was like, I could call the, co call the ambulance. 
But if they come, they're like, you're just really high. That's <laughs> so good that you had that fourth that that you could play the whole situation out, though. I would have been stuck in that thought of like, but I'm dying. I would have. But I came to, to the point that I would rather die. I would rather die than be embarrassed in my underwear at my house. So what were you having a panic attack or what do you think it was? Yeah, I, I like weed a lot. I know. I, I see your high walk updates oh, on Twitter. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was just freaked out. I had gone. I like to get high to the point where something like I'm right on the edge of, oh, this could be really bad. Like hallucinating high? If I can, if I can figure that out. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I just went a little too, my heart started to race. And I was like, oh, oh I'm yeah. fucking dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. And I was like, all right, do I want to be found dead in my underwear high? At least that's cool. Right. That's rock star shit. Yeah, that's rock star <laughs> shit, right? Now, uh, uh, but, but if I come, if the, if the ambulance pulls up, because they got to take you. If you call them, they're taking you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right, that's a lot to deal with when you're high and in your underwear. Yeah, and then the and then the guy. What if the guy's just like you're just high, dude? And you're like, yeah, I know. I'm really sorry. I called you. Well, we're taking you into the fucking hospital. That would suck. Have you ever been considering calling the cops um, or the the nine one one? You ever freaked out on drugs before? I had a panic attack. The day after I had done some drugs, like the morning after. Really? Um, what yes. Was the, what was the drug? It wasn't pot. I'll okay. put it that way. Fair enough. Um, it's something that is not good for your heart. I'm not proud of the fact that I had some dalliances with that. Um, are you? I'm. Are we? Are you going to ask if I'm sober? No. Oh. Or, or do you not just chalk it up to a part of your life, or is it something you regret? Um, I that First, one in particular is it. Like I'll, I, I, we're talking about cocaine. Yeah. Um, I don't feel any guilt over having smoked pot. Right. Um, I do. Yes. I don't know why I feel so like I can't, like I really, to me that is like a low, like the fact that I ever messed around with cocaine is like, I, I do deeply regret that and I really? feel embarrassed about it and I feel like what the hell was I doing and yeah like I just like when I think about that I'm like ugh. how old um 27 and when and by the way it's for sure the first time as anyone's ever said dalliances on this podcast <laughs> for a year for a month for a, and you don't strike me as the kind of person that's getting up in the morning and doing rails no that's the thing that's the thing that i mean first of all i had moved to new york and um i was pushing the reset button on my life <laughs> you and did that i did that yeah, yeah. although my si my younger sister lived in new york mm -hmm. so it wasn't like there was no one there but it's still leaving my i played in a band in california and i worked at um an alternative uh, News Weekly, worked at the OC Weekly, and I lived with a couple of roommates, and I had a whole life and a ton of friends, and like I just, however, after college, I never really intended to go back to Orange County. It mm. was always, always like, I'll go back for a little while, and then I'm moving, and then I just felt like I'm getting stuck here, and time is passing, and I don't want to blink and be 40 and still be in this exact same spot. I've got to get out of here. So I just, really, it felt like this, like, I'm just violently, like, ripping myself out of my life and just going to New York and I did um, and it 
did take me a couple years to like feel settled. Uh Um, and I think that I don't think I would have done that had I not, had I still been in Orange County, I don't think I would have had those dalliances. Maybe I would have. I don't know. But um, Can I ask yes. you how you think you... Okay. If you hadn't gone to New York, how do you think you, not your life, but you right. would be different? Like, how did New York change you? Did it? Do you think it changed yes, you? Yes, I think it changed me. Um, did it give you more confidence? Well, it... Yes, I think so. I think. Because that city can fuck you up. Yes. I. In New York, I began to do television stuff and I sort of and I got into web stuff and, you know, ultimately what led to the podcasting and what I do now. And I don't know that I would have done that in Orange County. I don't know if the opportunity would have been there because mm-hmm. I was working at a newspaper. Um, no, at Time Out New York in a magazine. And this email came around saying, hey, NBC is looking for editors to come on air and talk about events going on in the city. Is anyone interested? And I said, yes, I am. So um, I took a couple of media training classes because they would always do that before letting their editors go on air. And then I went and I did my segment. NBC liked me so much that they wanted to just use me from then on. So Mm. I did that for a few years and that was great. And I got a ton of experience. And then from that, I started going on other TV shows and then... I, I enjoyed that because I had always sort of been a performer and I enjoyed that so much that I thought, well, I can just do this in my apartment. I can just put stuff up on YouTube. And then I started getting, you know, going in that direction. So I don't know that I would have done that if I had stayed in Orange County. Um, in terms of like who I am as a person, I honestly don't know. I think I, I think I really grew up and became truly independent person mm-hmm. in New York. And I don't know that I would have been able to do that in Orange County because that's where my parents were. I think a hundred percent. Yeah. I, it, I think be, that's what it did for me. Yeah. In that, that independence definitely can infuse you with a different level of confidence. Right. Like, Oh, I can kind of do this. I can. That's like an yes. important lesson to learn that, what, that's why that's one of the education things when I was talking about my dad in my mind when you go to college that's part of the education to realize oh I'm okay you do have a net there because you know you're going home for your parents but I'm still surviving on a day to day by myself right like that is a different confidence that I think the people who don't go sometimes don't get to share right and then I think they're afraid to do it I think all of a sudden that seems very daunting to them because yeah. the, you get to a certain age and it's like the idea of starting over in a new city whereas I feel like I could do it if I needed to mm-hmm. um but anyway to answer your question before I didn't mean to dodge the question of how long I was um dallying <laughs> which is not the right verb um it was like it would be on it was on and off for a short amount of time three different times in my life with the same people no but it would always it would be like, like I messed around with it a little bit. And by the way, that's what I was going to say is that it was never like the TV after school specials you see where it's like, I have no money. I've lost all my friends. I, um, I'm not going, I'm, I've drawn the curtains. I'm not going out and I have a nosebleed. Like I never, my nose never bled. Yeah. I think I spent of my own money in total, like $300. Um, that's not terrible. And I would have a little bit of it and I would like, it would stay there forever because I didn't do it in the day. I didn't do it alone. I didn't, you know, it was very much just social. It was like, 
it's so common in New York. And when I first got there, I was like, how are people drinking till four in the morning? Because the bars close at four. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, oh, everyone does this, yeah. you know? So at the same time, though, I was. Do you hanging need more up. water? Do you keep going back to it? You don't want to finish it because. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not rationing. Okay, no. okay. <laughs> I am going to take a sip though. All right. Um. But I do think that I was in situations that I wouldn't have been in if it were not for that drug, and I was hanging out with people that I wouldn't have been hanging out with, and I just, I just wasn't cool. <laughs> like I wasn't. I, I think I was very like excited that I had discovered this thing that made me feel like I like I just wanted to talk and like yeah. hey let's form a band and I mean I was like a, I was a cliche you know I, I feel very uh, mortified about that but you but here's by the way you sound like you were having fun yeah, to me yeah. it I never liked it it made me shut up and sit in a corner oh really that's why I, that's, yeah. that's how pot affects me oh see for pot I'm the exact opposite but I, I I'm curious why. Um, it's something that happened so long ago that why you still feel like it's a regret for you. I think because I think it's in the same way that um, I was so afraid of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was also raised in the just say no dare drugs yeah. era. And I think that it's, I was just, it's really sort of the parent thing. I think like I was raised that you like that drug is just too dangerous. You don't mess around with that mm-hmm. because you could it, your heart could stop the first time you do it, which happened uh, in Sweet Valley High. And I had with to Regina Morrow <laughs> and I read that book. <laughs> yeah. You know, I read that mm-hmm. and I was like the first time I did it. I think I was like, yeah, I might die. This might kill me. But like I did it anyway. Um, and then I it didn't kill me. And I was like, not only did it not kill me, I something i feel like i'm glowing um <laughs> i remember literally feeling. i feel like there's like a light emanating out of me um and i was drunk and now i'm not drunk magically anymore like what's going on and i am having so much fun talking to these people um I, I don't mean to be a commercial for it at all yeah it's i just think it's just gross and it's illegal and it's dangerous so the, all right and you stupid s- you said illegal yeah if it was legal that would be different because then if it if it it's the safety issue. Like, if it were safe, then I'd be like, knock yourself out. Yeah, but, okay, so technically Vicodin is legal. Yes. So, but Vicodin is highly addictive. Right. When they give you one prescription, they say, try not to take all these. Mm. One fucking, pre- they still prescribe it to you. Right. <laughs> but they were like, hey, just try not to take it. Okay. Yeah. So, it's funny you use the word legal. Like, for me, that that's why the same thing with weed, like. It's not legal, but man, you can't, you couldn't convince me that if there was one drug that should be, including alcohol, it would be weed. Right. right? But I so, feel like it's much more legal than it was. It is. And it, it's, and the, you know, there's still some states you don't want to get caught. Like Texas, I was told when I was there, they were like, don't you get caught with weed here. That's yeah. going to be bad. And most places it's like a slap on the wrist, but I don't think Coke should be legal. Like, I think that would be a fucking terrible idea to be able to walk into a store and right. get Coke. Yeah. yeah. Some people would say coffee is like that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. All right. Tell me. But I think it's just the grossness of like, 
oh, that feeling, that's because there's baby laxative in there. Which, by the way, is baby laxative even a real thing? Because you always, that's like a Coke thing you hear. Yeah, it seems like, I, I don't it, know what the difference between baby laxative babies? and real laxative. Right. But there is baby laxatives. Okay. Um, there's Do like, they cut it with baby that's laxative? That's what they say. There's Yeah, they cut it. I don't know if it's true, but that's what you hear. Like, oh, it's baby laxative. Or, oh, it's uh, just all the, just Aspirin. the idea of like, I'm ingesting something. I don't know what is in it. Like, that's stupid. It, yes. I think it's stupid as shit to do that. And the fact that I did that right. b- bothers me. Okay. I, that makes sense to me that you were a little more concerned. But I always like, I try, I know that I didn't like it. I'm sorry I did it as many times as I did. Oh, you you wanted to make sure you don't like yeah, it? Yeah, I really was like, <laughs> maybe I do like it. Right. No, nope, don't like it. Well, let's yeah. try one more time. Um, Honestly, do you know what stopped me from doing it ever again? Hmm. I did a play. And in the play, we were supposed to be doing Coke. Well, obviously, you can't do Coke. So I snorted powdered milk for like a month straight. And the smell in my nose, because I hadn't quite gotten up to speed with what a neti pot is, it was like, it was rotten milk. Ew. Oh, that's so gross. It was, and it was in my back of my throat and like, Ugh. and I was just like, after that, even though I was like, I should try that again to see if I like it. I never, I was like, I'm not, I'm never snorting everything, anything ever fucking again. That and Tyler Blur- Brooks, if you're listening, you know the play, you motherfucker. <laughs> uh, but it was like a, woo. That's so interesting. So fake cocaine kept you away from the real <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> hey, maybe we're on to <laughs> something know, here. Maybe, maybe cocaine. it's the powdered milk thing. Yeah. Um, do you have anything that you would like to plug? I've had a fantastic time talking to you. I love talking to you too. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, everyone check out my podcast. Um, AllisonRosen.com, just one L and Allison. We've or, been here for an hour and a half. Wow, it has flown by. It really has. Um, or iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Uh, and um, maybe you'll like it. I hope you will. I think, honestly, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of this podcast, you will like Allison's podcast. I think so too. Thank you. It's, I mean, we're different people, mm-hmm. but it's similar in the casual conversation. Um, it's like just kind of I've listened to a bunch of yours and it's just like listening to two friends talking, which is what I like. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's very it's very easy to just jump in and be like, oh, yeah, Allison Rosen is my new best friend. <laughs> thank you. Um, oh, and also I'll be doing my podcast live at um, L.A. Podcast Festival September 24th at noon. It's so early to be doing anything live. So come out because it's early. Yeah. Maybe you guys just do a couple bumps and come out. <laughs> No. Uh, <laughs> now now I have to think like, oh, and hey, my kid's going to hear this one day. This particular one? This particular podcast. Well, no, but I mean when I when I talk about stuff I regret having done, but it's already out there anyway. Yeah, and you know, there you've got so much stuff online. There's got probably some <laughs> other stuff this. where they're <laughs> like, I think we're okay with this right. one. I'll yeah. let you know. Okay. <laughs> if a couple of years from now, if okay. your kid's like, hey, <laughs> my mom talked to you about doing coke, I'm going to be like, fuck, yeah, she did. Oh, no. <laughs> um, guys, ComedianJoshWolf.com for all your needs. I'm in Chicago this weekend, 11th, 12th, 13th, in St. Louis, 18th, 19th, 20th. But Comedian Josh Wolf, it's all there. Thank you. Thank Love you. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs>